Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arkish, hanging out here on 670 The Score. When we get together, we talk sports. Most certainly about the Bears, and they're taking on the Vikings this weekend. And we get the opportunity to talk to our next guest about just that. So many things going on with the Vikings. We've been talking about it all, you know, all day long uh, with a lot of our guests and our callers. And so it'd be interesting to get uh, some insider perspectives. Joining us now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Uh, he does Inside the Vikings on Fan Nation for Sports Illustrated. He also got a podcast out there, the Purple Underscore Insider. Make sure you follow that as well. First time chatting with him, Will Raggetts. Will, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks are you, are you are you trembling? Are you trembling <laughs> scared because Justin Fields is about to handle business? Or are you, you sitting comfortably thinking like, hey, you know, Kirk Cousins still going to throw for 400 yards and 40 attempts? It's funny when you like look at the schedule when it comes out, you're thinking this could be a pretty good Vikings team against a kind of resurgent Bears team. And then instead you find uh, both teams are one and four or five weeks in. So we'll see. It'll be interesting because Justin Fields has played really well the last couple of weeks. But Kirk Cousins has lead, leads the league in passing touchdowns, but is now without Justin Jefferson. So I think this could be a high scoring, kind of a fun game, uh, weather conditions permitting. High scoring would be, I guess there has been a lot of high scoring in Bears games this year, but it's not what you really expect from them. You know, there's been so much focus with the Vikings, obviously on the injury um, to your wide receiver. and And then of course the lack of a running game this year. And I don't hear nearly as much talk about the Vikings defense. And obviously that hasn't been winning any games for them this year either. Uh, Where are they struggling defensively? Yeah, so they brought in Brian Flores, a new defensive coordinator this year, to kind of make a, a really big philosophical change. Last year under Ed Donatello, they played the Fangio style, uh, a lot of deep shells, a lot of kind of – they got criticized for being overly passive, and they got shredded by Daniel Jones and the Giants in a couple games, including their first-round playoff loss. So with Flores, it's a totally different approach. They're blitzing like 55% of the time, which leads the league by far. Uh, it just – the blitzes haven't really been effective. They, they're giving up – uh, a lot of big plays on blitzes. They're not really forcing the negative plays that you want to force, interceptions, fumbles, sacks, things like that. They did it against the Panthers and Bryce Young in their only win of the season, but part of it has been they played Justin Herbert, and he torched their blitzes. They played Patrick Mahomes, uh, and they've been close to making some plays. It's it's a defense that I think is better than last year, but it's still kind of 
lacking a lot of really strong playmakers. Daniil Hunter is there. He has six sacks. Harrison Smith had a great game against the Panthers, but just not a lot of like really kind of star level performers on this defense. So it's going to be a process of Flores building it up over the course of the season. We're talking to Will Raggetts here on 670, the score, Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arkish. When I look at this Vikings team, Will, I- I'm, I'm curious what the, like, the, the likelihood of an implosion, right? You got a team that had 11 wins last year, tasting a, a little bit, a little more defeat than they probably would like. Questions about what's going on, Justin Jefferson on the IR. Like, we've dealt with that here in Chicago where, you know, the guys kind of like check out a little bit. Is there fear of that happening with the Vikings? I think there has to be at one and four. I mean, this is a team that has already lost as many games as they lost all last year. And last year was weird because they were, they were pretty fraudulent at 13 wins where there was a negative point differential, 11 and 0 in one score games. And everyone coming into the season was like, okay, regression is inevitable. But I think the way it's happened and uh, the, the extreme level at which it's happened has kind of surprised people. They've lost four one score games. They've turned the ball over, I believe, a league high times, 12 or 13, something like that, losing fumbles. Um, just one play away in all these games, even against teams like the Chargers and like the Eagles and like the Chiefs. Um, they've said if we did this one thing different or these two things differently, we could have won that game, and yet they found themselves on the opposite side of the story from last year. So, yeah, this is an interesting game because if you lose this one, the game after that, they play the 49ers at home on Monday Night Football. I don't, I don't see how the Vikings win that game, even if they play their, their A-plus game without Justin Jefferson. So that you're talking about maybe being one and six, and then the trade deadline's coming up. They're going to Lambeau after that. Like, you got to start talking about it, the possibility of would it be the best thing for this team with Kirk Cousins not being under contract after this year to just bottom out and try to get a high draft pick. And I don't know how you really do that if you still have Kirk Cousins because he's probably going to drag you to six wins or something and be in that middle. But they could go to him and see if he's willing to waive his no-trade clause. I don't see that happening. But at the very least, you'd have to start talking about what are our other expiring contracts, Daniel Hunter, K.J. Osborne, Jordan Hicks, people like that, and, and start to sell and start to look to 2024. Clearly, one of the things that is, I mean, actually Cousins hasn't played that badly, so I don't want to say, you know, ruined his performance, but what has hurt him has been the lack of a running game. And, and I've never really understood, I know contracts had something to do with it, but what was the thinking behind letting Delvin Cook get away? Great question. Yeah, it's a good question looking at Cook's past performance and what he was able to do. I think it looks pretty smart right now if you look at the season Cook's had with the Jets. He really has not gotten anything going there and has seen his playing time decrease. The running game in Minnesota definitely hasn't been great. I think Alexander Madison had a little bit of a disappointing start to the season. He's had some fumble issues. He's dropped a few passes. Uh, But the last few weeks, he's looked better. They brought in Cam Akers, uh, traded almost nothing to bring him in, and he's looked pretty solid as a kind of complementary piece. So they're still working on it. I mean, the offensive line and the tight ends and the pieces that are there from a blocking standpoint, this should be a better run game than it has been. So uh, I think that's going to be a focus without Justin Jefferson. Like, this team leads the league in pass attempts, and Jefferson is a big reason for that. Game script and, and trailing a lot is a big reason for that. But without Jefferson, they're going to want to become more balanced, try to get the run game going early between Madison, between Akers, using both of those guys. And then from there, they still have the weapons through the air, Hawkinson, um, Jordan Addison, the rookie, uh, K.J. Osborne, people like that, to then hit some explosive plays in the passing game, even without 
arguably the best receiver in football. Uh, we know he's going to be slinging the ball around. That we do know on Sunday. It's just a matter of whether the Bears' secondary can uh, make a dent there. We're talking to Will Raggetts inside the Vikings on Fan Nations for Sports Illustrated here on 670 to score. Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arkish. Uh, what would what would have to happen for the Vikings to keep Kirk Cousins? I mean, it's not likely they're going to make the playoffs, right? So, I mean, in your scenario, they're trading him or, or trying their best to trade him and, and remove his trade clause. But is, is there a scenario where it's like, hey, you know what? This is our guys and it's good and, you know, it's a feel-good story and now he's one of us. Is, is, that, is that even a possibility or is it inevitable that this is Kirk Cousins' last season with the Vikings? I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's inevitable that this is Kirk's last season here. I mean, the last few years, this has been a story. We've been talking about Kirk Cousins' trade rumors and, and the decision there since, like, 2020. Uh, and then it's just they extended him short-term, they extended him short-term again. Because the answer is, I mean, there isn't really an easy answer. Who are you going to find that's better than Kirk Cousins? And they they brought in or the new GM coming in a couple of years ago. It's been a competitive rebuild where they're trying to build this thing up for the future while also winning in the present. And Kirk Cousins gives you a, a good chance to do that. We saw that last year. He led the league in, in game-winning drives uh, and fourth-quarter comebacks and things like that. So I think it's possible. If they turn things around, you win this week, you're probably not beating the 49ers, but the schedule kind of opens up after that. They could crawl their way back, even at 1-4, and four, to maybe being in the hunt for that seven seed if he plays really well. You know, Justin Jefferson comes back in, in a month or so and, and provides a boost there. There's a chance where you end up with that middling draft pick like they've had for seemingly every year for a while, and you don't really get the value in trying to move up to go get a guy and you say, let's, let's bring Kirk back. I mean, I think if he was open to taking a deal that was at less than kind of the, the peak market value, that would be a lot more appealing. The, the whole Kirk Cousins debate is just, is it worth paying him $35 million a year or whatever they've had to pay him? And the answer has kind of been no, because they've won one playoff game in the first five seasons with Cousins, and doesn't look like they're going to be winning a playoff game this year. So I think the most likely outcome is that this team probably doesn't recover too much. Uh, and even if they do a little bit, they, they make a decision to bring in their own guy and draft the quarterback high for the first time in a long time uh, next year. You know, one of the things that was most talked about things in the NFL last year was the fact that 11 of the Vikings wins were by one score. And now all four of their losses are by one score. So you're talking about yep. a team that we're not really sure who they are. And I wonder how much of that is a lack of, other than Jefferson, of, of, of difference makers? You know, the guys who are going to make the plays to win those games or the guys they don't have that don't make the plays and causes them to lose. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird situation for this team because you can almost make a case in some regards that they're better than they were last year when they were 13-4 and four and now they're 1-4 and four this year. It's just the margin of error is so small. And I think, I think you bring up a good point that they just don't have kind of that star talent at a, at a lot of positions. And uh, they have really good tackles. They have a great receiver, um, good edge rusher, and Daniel Hunter. But, like, beyond those handful of guys, there's, there's just some positions, the interior of the offensive line, the interior of the defensive line, the cornerback room, that are really just kind of lacking impact guys. And they've tried to fix that over the years and hasn't really worked too well. So, I, I mean, to me, it, it still also just starts at the very top with Kirk Cousins. And he's played well this year. But it just there's been some big moments where there's been turnovers, and he just he isn't one of those guys, one of those eight to ten or, or however many, maybe less than that. Those guys that are going to elevate everything around them, and and you're going to win games because of them. Like Kirk Cousins is good enough to win football games when the things around him are going well. 
But we've seen this year when the pressure gets in his face, he's not mobile enough to escape it and, and create things on, on the outside of structure like Mahomes and Allen and, and all these guys can. And like I'm sure the Bears are hoping Justin Fields can do uh, at a more consistent level. So it's just it starts with Cousins and then the roster just isn't quite at that contending level. And we've seen that when they play teams. Uh, last year they played teams like the Eagles and the Cowboys and, and the Packers last year and they would just – they got blown out, and it's like, all right, you're winning all these one-star games, but when you play the real competition, you're just not good enough. So that's why I think they have to take more of a kind of long-term view here and build this thing up, and, and that all starts at quarterback. Yeah, and, and you got to be uh, obviously conscious and mindful of who he's throwing the ball to, and this weekend he's going to get the opportunity, right? Jordan Addison, T.J. Hawkinson, K.J. Osborne. Do me a favor, Will. Why don't you, why don't you tell me who's going to have the most targets of those three and like maybe to put them in order. So Bears fans can know, like, who is the guy that they should be following more so than anyone else. Yeah, I think the odds-on favorite to lead the Vikings in targets would be Hawkinson. Um, just he's he's always been kind of a high-volume guy. They'll use him um, in short situations, intermediate routes, send him stretching the field up the seam. Vikings fans are are mad at Hawkinson right now because he's had some issues catching the football, and it, it hasn't been blatant wide-open drops, but. Last week against the Chiefs, there were three balls that were like arguably hitting his hands. He should come down with when he got an extension before the season that made him one of the highest paid tight ends in the league. That is, that aside, I think he still is a really talented player, probably one of the five best at the position in the league. So I think he'll lead the the team in targets. Jordan Addison, I'm really excited to watch. He he seems like he's come a long way just in the first five games of the season, where early on he was struggling against press because he's an undersized guy. He's like 175 pounds. And it seems like he sort of started to figure that out and improve his releases. Uh, but that is still something that can slow him down. Once he is able to get off the line of scrimmage, he is an incredible route runner. Great hands. Doesn't have a single drop this season. Uh, living up to that first round billing so far. So it'll be, it'll be fun to watch him as a featured guy. Uh, and then I, I would say KJ, I mean, he might be third in targets, though, because KJ Osborne is going to be playing in the slot a lot or even sliding into Jefferson's X role in a lot of situations. And, uh, he should see the ball. So it'll be those three really concentrated. I would go probably Hawkinson, Osborne, Addison, but they're they're kind of interchangeable. You know, it's interesting. I can see where fans would be upset with Hawkinson after last week with three drafts, but on the season, 39 targets and 30 catches, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and he clearly is their number two receiver. But the other thing that kind of jumps off the, the, the stat sheet for you, only 8.5 yards per catch. And, and yeah. so, you know, yes, he's somebody that a lot of teams would love to have, but he is not going to be able to replace Jefferson. If they can't get Addison or, or Osborne to do it, then then they're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, that's that's where Addison has to come in because Osborne and Hawkinson this season have been kind of your possession receivers and, you know, short, intermediate stuff. And, and you can move the football. And it's the try, try to get Hawkinson some stuff a little bit further down the field, but you have to have Addison be that big play guy. And he has that speed and acceleration to, to separate and get open deep. I mean, early on when it was still, when Jefferson was healthy and dominating targets and leading the league and everything, uh, Addison had a long touchdown, like a 40-yarder against the Buccaneers. He had a 60-yard touchdown against the Eagles. He just had his third in five games last week against the Chiefs. And the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell and, and Kirk Cousins, have just kind of raved about uh, the rookie and what he's brought to their offense. So he has to bring that downfield element that will help kind of open things up for Hawkinson and Osborne underneath. Yeah, and obviously, you know, if you were watching Caleb Williams, like most people are, have this year, if you were watching last year and seeing the ball getting thrown to Jordan, Jordan was doing his thing most certainly. 
That's why I picked him up in my fantasy league, Will. I just wanted to tell you, <laughs> tell you that right there. That's uh, smart. So I'm familiar with those touchdowns. Uh, we're talking to Will Raggett here on 670 to score. Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arcus. All right, so let's talk about the game on Sunday specifically. I mean, I, I, like when you guys are looking at this game, like is it, oh, Justin Jefferson's out, so now we're worried? Or is it still, oh, we're facing the Bears, let's get the ship right and you know fi- fix things? I think it's somewhere in between the two. It, it is a game, like, in the context of the season, the Vikings have to have this one. If they want to get back into this thing and be competitive, it's a swing game. And we said that when the Vikings were 0-3 going to, the, going to Carolina to play an 0-3 Panthers team. They managed to win that, although they made it kind of difficult, and they fell behind 10 nothing early. They did not handle them like the Lions handled them last week. This is another swing game because they couldn't quite get it on against the Chiefs, and now they're 1-4, going to play a 1-4 team, first division game of the year and you have to find a way even without Justin Jefferson they have to find a way to get this done I'm not going to say that I'm having watched this team that I'm confident they're going to come in and and make it easy because they never do that there's the ridiculous stat is the Vikings haven't won a game by 17 points or more since 2019 they just they don't do it they're just sometimes they'll get blown out but every week regardless of if their team they're playing is better than them or if the team they're playing is worse than them on paper they're going to find a way to make it come down to the last play and have something wacky happen. So uh, that's kind of my anticipation for this game. But if the Vikings lose, man, it's going to – the conversation next week in Minnesota is going to be a lot different and uh, some changes might have to be made. You know, one of the tough things to sort out with playing the Bears is how do you stop Justin Fields from running the football? Now, he hasn't been nearly as effective or productive – this year through five weeks as he was last year, but you know how dangerous he is. What have you heard uh, this week from coaches about what might be the plan to take that away from him? Yeah, the Vikings are very aware of uh, what Justin Fields can do with his legs. That game last year at U.S. Bank Stadium, he broke a long one and uh, was called back by a penalty or something. That was the game where uh, Amir Smith-Marset fumbled at the very end to, to give the Vikings a narrow win. But yeah, they I mean, it, it's kind of the same talk where it is whenever you're playing one of the one of the true dual threats in this league, whether it's the Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or any, anybody like that, it's about the rush lanes and keeping them contained. And, and there's probably going to be a lot of action where they have somebody spying them. Uh, Ivan Pace Jr. Is, is a name Bears fans might not know. He's an undrafted rookie linebacker out of Cincinnati, but really, really great athlete, kind of sideline to sideline range. So I would guess he's going to be a big part of that plan with Fields and Jordan Hicks, the other linebacker, and it'll be the safeties. It'll be the, it'll be the outside linebackers setting those edges, and they're going to blitz a lot because that's what they do with Brian Flores. They blitz a ton of the time, kind of regardless of who it is. So you have to be able to get home on those blitzes because if you don't and he's able to escape, then, then you don't have the numbers downfield. So you're, you're kind of risk-reward there. But it's going to take kind of a cohesive effort from all three levels of the defense. Yeah, and that third level is going to be important, Will, because, I mean, you, you know, Vikings only have one interception all year. Uh, is that the? Is, would you say that's the weakest part of that defense, or are guys just you know not getting the opportunity to create turnovers? Yeah, they've been close. They had there was a third and eighteen play last week where Mahomes floated one up and Cam Bynum, one of the safeties, just mistimed his jump and it ended up being a catch and should have been a pick. They've had some drop picks and um, things like that. But yeah, the, the secondary is a concern for sure. Harrison Smith is still a great player. He had a three sack game against the Panthers. But he's not the same player he was at his peak. He's 33, 34, something like that. So he's older. Uh, the cornerback room is, is largely unproven. Byron Murphy Jr. was their big free agent acquisition that they brought in. And he's had kind of an underwhelming start to this season. Uh, you'll see him in the slot. You'll see him out wide. And then it's 
Uh, so Caleb Evans, who's a second-year guy, was a fourth-rounder last year, who showed some flashes, but been kind of inconsistent there. Uh, Makai Blackman, a third-round rookie. Like, it's just they're not really proven at that cornerback position, and that's definitely hurt them at times. Well, and I suspect that is the other major concern this week, maybe even more so than Fields. You've got the reigning offensive player of the week in, in D.J. Moore, <laughs> and cornerback has been a problem, so – uh, you know, we've heard reports uh, from Minnesota that, that the way they're going to handle fields is probably blitz him more and, and, you know, keep him from throwing for the 700 yards he's thrown for the last two weeks. But that could really, you know, if they do try and blitz him more without great play corner, put them in trouble with more. So how do they address that? Yeah, that's, that's the whole chess piece of the, this, this matchup for the Vikings is you want to put pressure on fields, but if he can find those quick answers, this is what Justin Herbert did when he threw for like 400 yards against the Vikings was just having the, the ball, getting the ball out of his hands quick. Keenan Allen had like 20 catches for 200 some yards that day. It was, it was ridiculous. So they can't let that happen again with DJ Moore. They've got to have, I think it'll be a lot of Byron Murphy on and maybe some of Caleb Evans. You have to have some safety attention as well. Cause unlike the chargers, this Bears team doesn't really have anybody else who scares you too much. They didn't have a single receiver catch another pass last week, as I'm sure you guys are very aware. So it, it, I think there has to be a lot of attention on more. Make somebody else, Darnell Mooney or Cole Komet or whoever it is, beat you, and don't let um, DJ Moore do what, what Keenan Allen did in week three. Uh, well, we're hoping that he does. Sorry, Will. Uh, and I'm, hoping, I'm sure you're hoping. Understandable. Understandable. Uh, Will, we appreciate you hanging out with us, giving us some insight on this Vikings team, and I uh, hope you enjoy your weekend filled with NFL games. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. Take care now. Uh, sometimes I like hearing. I like, he was good. I like. I like hearing from the, the opponents, people. But I. But you can always like read between the lines. Like the one statement that sticks out for me when he's like, "Yeah, no, they got to have this game," mm-hmm. and because you try to think about what a team is thinking, where I'm under the impression that they are on the brink of implosion, and the fact of the matter is that. They're still trying to salvage their their season because they they I'm sure they still believe in themselves, especially after last year. Well, I'm sure they do, and I will tell you one of the things that he just mentioned could be a concern because what I've been hearing at Hallis Hall this what we've all been hearing at Hallis Hall this week, the Bears intend to get Darnell Mooney started this week, and, and so they they don't think they can win just by playing DJ Moore. And when you look at the problems that this team is having at cornerback, their safeties aren't bad. But safeties aren't going to cover the wide receivers by themselves. And so, you know, I think from a Bears fan's perspective, one of the things you may want to keep an eye on on Sunday, I would look for Mooney to get plenty of targets. I'm not going to predict a a great game. We'll see. I hope he's healthy. We know he's capable. Um, But And they're not going to give up on D.J. Moore. But when you've got D.J. Moore, Cole Komet is probably going to play hurt. He's got the, I think, what was that, the... uh, it was a leg issue. I forget exactly oh. what it was. Um, he's practiced, but he's been limited. Okay. Um, so he's probably going to go. But I think that their answer, if the Vikings commit to taking away DJ Moore this week, is for Darnell Mooney to have a big a big week. And I think we'd all be welcoming that sight, especially after getting rid of Chase Claypool and understand that Darnell Mooney is a guy that, that had 1,000 yards. Well, and you've also got the rookie, Tyler Scott, who I know they yeah. like, but they haven't used yet. Yeah. So I don't know how much they like them if they haven't used them. Yeah, right. But maybe this is the week that he shows up, too. Uh, let's hope so. All right, uh, we're taking your phone calls next. Phone lines are open right for you guys. Shout out to everybody that's been staying on hold. Court, I see you. You've been on there a while. I'm going to take your call first, all right? Uh, but 312-644-6767. we got Hub Argus in the building. Got any Bears questions? 
You want to know anything about the game or you have your Bears thoughts, we want to hear them, all right? 312-644-6767. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Hub Arkish taking your calls next right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We're back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Got about a half hour left in the show. Gabe Ramirez along with Hub Arkish hanging out on a Friday. Actually, it's a Four Seasons Heating, Air Conditioning, Plumbing, and Electric Football Friday presented by your local Ford dealers. And it's not a game, Illinois.com. Taking your phone calls. We decided to open up the lines. You know, we're going to talk a little bit of Bears. Get some Cubs before the end of the hour before we get out of here. Uh, but right now, I hope he's still there. Court, you there? Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, hey. always like people that. that hey. I had a feeling you guys were going to call me as soon as the train started coming. Of course we did. All right, get in your thought quick. Get in your thought quick, Court. Wow. You still there? I'm still here, and I I want to give you the grace because you've been a hoe for an hour. So I want to give you the opportunity to say your take. Okay. I'll make it quick, man. This is the deal, man. Everybody should stop trying to get this guy out of town and try to let this guy in the offensive coach grow together for a couple more years. Look, Peyton Manning wouldn't do good on this offensive line. Um, Brett Favre, none of these good guys, great quarterbacks, wouldn't do great. But my thing is this, man. Let Caleb go to another team. Get some King Ransom. Turn this defense into a beast and the offensive line into a beast. We can do it, man. We got all this. We got all these draft picks. I hear you. Well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I have to answer you from my perspective, which is 45 years of looking for a franchise quarterback. Mm. I mean, that's the reality of the Chicago Bears. This isn't about just Justin Fields or Mitch Trubisky or or anybody else you want to blame it on. I mean, the bottom line is that almost all, almost all of the experts agree that Williams is, is, is a franchise prospect. When you've been looking for one for 45 years, 
and maybe you have a good one in Justin Fields. I haven't heard anyone say they've seen anything yet right. to say he's a franchise quarterback. You, you can't ignore that. You know, that that's the, the situation the Bears are in right now. Now, hey, maybe neither them or the Panthers end up with the first pick. Maybe they don't have an option. Then it's a different story. But if you have that first pick, you, you I don't know how you pass it. I just don't understand. I'll tell you this, Hub. I mean, you know, you talk about 45 years without a franchise quarterback, and you think to last year when the Bears had the first pick in the draft, first time since, what was it, like 40-something, since 47 or 67 or something like that, that they had a first pick in the draft. And that's what happens. When you don't get that first pick or that opportunity to take a franchise quarterback, you are left trying to find one. And last year, they all felt, as Hub and I have been talking off the air, we agreed with, that that, that franchise-changing quarterback wasn't there. And so it was okay to go ahead and roll the dice on Justin Fields one more time with the opportunity to have a, a good uh, quarterback draft class uh, happening in 2024 to then take your shot then. And so here you are with the first with the opportunity to have the first pick via the Carolina Panthers. And you've been searching, like Hub said, for this long for that quarterback. He's there. The way to get him is with the first pick in the draft. And you have that opportunity again to, to get it, and you have to run with it in the event that you do. Well, the other thing you have to realize as far as last year and this year is that this coming year is being called the best quarterback draft of all time. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, we'll see what that's happens. But guys I, in there. there's going to be at least five taken in the first round, and there are at least three who would have been drafted ahead of Young at number one. And, and so uh, Ryan Poles did absolutely the right thing this year. I keep saying last year, but it's really technically this year. <laughs> but next year, if he has the option and Williams is there, Boy, you are risking your future as a general manager if you don't use it. Much like whoever the guy was who didn't take Patrick Mahomes. We know who the guy was. Who, by the way, I think is is an underrated football expert. I don't think he did all that horrible a job with the Bears. It didn't work out. It was time to make a change. But but our other Ryan is, is, is a pretty good evaluator, okay? I did a study, I think it was five years ago. I can't remember if it was four or five years ago. Of all of the first-round quarterbacks of the last 30 years, mm. 86% failed. Wow. Now, that may have changed in the last four or five years since I did the study. But and when I say failed, they, they, didn't, they didn't fail as NFL players. They did not become franchise quarterbacks. Right. And, and, and that's how hard it is to get it right. And most of the experts feel that Williams is the best shot at getting it right that we've seen in the last 10 to 20 years. Again, got to have a first-round pick in order to do it, and the Bears might be in that position. Uh, let's go out to Steve in Aurora. Steve, when you're, you're listening to this uh, Justin versus Caleb conversation, what uh, side do you find yourself on? Hey, Gabe, nice to hear you, Hub. God bless you, brother. I'm praying Thank you so much. This is what I have, man. Fields throws for 30, 35 touchdowns and pass almost 4,000 yards, you can't go away from that guy. That is absolutely ridiculous. Nobody – okay. They say Caleb Williams is supposed to be the god of all quarterbacks, whatever. There's no guarantee he's going to make it. But if you have a quarterback that's developing, that has the skills Justin Fields has, trade that pick if they get it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Steve let, Steve, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Think about the Minnesota Vikings, Right got a guy who's damn near throwing for 5,000 yards a season, right? Offensive juggernaut. You think they'd rather have Caleb Williams or Kirk Cousins in that situation? Because that's what you're talking about, essentially. A guy a guy having good stats. Right. I'm saying a guy having good stats, and you're like, let me, let me keep him. But if he's not winning games, if he's not coming from behind, if he's not 
doing things that's putting your team in a position to go deep in the playoffs. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I've been saying for the week, right? Like, it doesn't matter to me because I don't care if you got 3,500 yards if you're still not one of the top five to eight quarterbacks in the NFL. I understand that. I truly do. I understand that. We know what Kirk Cousins is. We don't know what Justin Fields is going to turn out to be. What if he turns out to be absolutely great? Leaves the Bears to the playoffs. and Leaves the Bears to the championship game. Give the kid a chance, man. I don't want to run the guy out of town. And he's just starting to develop for a prospect. But, but you I, don't know Caleb Williams is going to be a star. All right, but I have a different question for you. What do you think the odds are that Justin Fields throws for 4,000 yards right, and 35 right, right. touchdowns? I mean, and he's the Bears You're talking Super Bowl. about a, a guy who in 25 starts has thrown for 3,000 yards in one game. He's only thrown for over 200 yards in five games. Again, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I have said several times, I, I wouldn't get rid of Justin Fields. I'm not there yet. Right. But I, I would want a chance to find out if Williams is better. And if you have the first pick in the draft, I, I think you have to take that chance. I agree with you, but he had no receivers last He had one receiver, Donnell Mooney. He ran for his life. The man is just starting to develop. Give him a chance before we run him out. Yeah, I think well, he's going to be a great quarterback. I truly do. I, I, I hope you're I, right, and they are giving him a chance right now. You know, right. We're going to have a much, have that chance. Yeah, this will be a much better conversation in 13 weeks. Yeah, and then you can say you can call us back up and say na-na-na-boo-boo. You were right. We were wrong. And I would love that. I want to be very clear. I think both Hub and I would love that if he then developed into, you know, what is the vision that we've all had for him this whole year. Gabe, I just want the Bears to have a franchise quarterback. I don't care which one it is. That's that's not the point as far as I can see. The point is do everything you can to make sure that when you start next season, you finally have found the franchise quarterback, whichever one of these two guys it is. Yeah, no more of this offensive line or wide receiver this or offensive coordinator that. No, not at all. Uh, Who are we going out to right now? Let's go to Gridiron Gonzo. All right, what you got to say about Justin Fields? Hi, good evening, guys. Uh, so I want to make a couple observations, and Hub, I'd love to hear your thoughts or response to these uh, two points about Fields. You know, 25 games in, it it doesn't look like the game has slowed down very much for him. And um, he strikes me as a guy a little bit Trubisky-like, is like you have to maybe shrink the field for him to make the right reads and things like that. And, you know, we've seen some evidence of some very costly bad reads. So... I wonder how patient uh, we should be with Fields, given where he is in that regard. And the other issue, which I'm not sure at all is fixable, and I think you would have a better sense of this, is the accuracy issue. And, uh, yeah, I look at the ball he threw to Herbert, where Herbert twisted his foot around, and, you know, as sort of a microcosm or example of that. But And I don't know if you can really fix accuracy problems. I mean, the mechanics matter a little bit, but – and. I, is that something that's going to improve significantly with 13 games or in three years or however long the Bears are willing to be patient and develop him? Uh, let me hear your thoughts on that, Hub. Well, you can improve accuracy with a lot of work and a lot of practice. It doesn't happen often. Usually it is something that by the time a player gets to the NFL, wherever his accuracy is at, it, it doesn't often get that much better, but it can be done. But what you rarely improve is, is when a guy can't read the field 
when he doesn't see the game at an NFL level, when he doesn't make decisions quickly enough. And that is Justin's biggest problem right now. And, and now it may just be because he's thinking too much. It may be mental. And it may be that once they calm him down, if he had a little more success like he's had the last couple of weeks, he could get better at that. But that's the part that usually you can't teach. You know, I mean, Tom Brady was a sixth-round draft pick. He's probably the greatest quarterback of all time. He was born with the God-given gift to understand and read the game. And, and, and that is something that, having not seen it yet in Justin, is what concerns me the most. But I'm not saying it's impossible, and it's, it's why I'm so anxious to see these last, you know, 13 games or 12 games, whatever's left. And, and, and hopefully it continues to improve week by week. Then you have something to hope for. Is it more because you want the sample size to be larger or because I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm looking at field and, and the more that we want, or is it that you want to see him and how he operates in his third season? Well, it's, it's not about the third season. I mean, there's no, I don't care if you keep him for six years and it doesn't happen right. until the sixth okay, year. If it happens, that's yeah. great. No, but what it is, is if you go back and watch the tape and study all the games he has started for the bears yet, it's a consistent problem. He is not reading the field well. He didn't even make all the right decisions in the last two games. They just made more plays. And that's what you have to see the improvement in. Now, sometimes it's just calming down. It's just confidence. It's just trust in the system. And, and, And he told us himself three weeks ago, which is what started this run, in that he didn't feel confident enough. He didn't like the way he was being, he didn't say he didn't like the way he was being coached, but he said that, you know, the coaches could help him too. And, and when he said that, there's been a reaction. So maybe that is part of it. You know, give the kid credit where it's, where it's deserved. But at the end of the day, there, there's one thing we all know if we are either students or, or, or fans and studiers of the game, if you can't read the field and know what the right decision is, you can't be a good NFL quarterback. And he has shown that to be his greatest liability yeah. to this point. And most quarterbacks that are great, they look good from the beginning, right? They, 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 they refine things in their game and they tighten up things. But for the most part, who they are from, from the get is, is who they will be. Uh, it's Gabe Ramirez. It's Hub Arkish. And on the other side, not only is Hub passionate about Justin Fields, <laughs> but he's also passionate about another member of the Chicago Cubs. And he's concerned that there is not enough conversation going on about this individual. Who is he, and what does Hub want to do with that guy? We'll talk about it right after this. It's Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arkish, on 670, the score. Bellinger cracks one in the air, right field and deep. Back goes Benson. It's got a chance. Gone. Long gone to right center. Cody Bellinger, Cubs lead one to nothing. Gabe We're Ramirez. Back. Live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670, the score. That's what I said, Rick Party. You know, Rick Party went to my elementary school. The guy who voiced that. He works at 104 Jams. He's the midday guy there. Does the voice of the four-letter network. And I remember growing up, he used to be on WGCI. And I remember growing up, one day he mentioned my elementary school. And I was like, dude. And so when I met him for the first time, I said, dude, you went to my elementary school. And he's like, you would school me? And I was like, no, dude, you're way older. I was like, that's not what I meant. But it's cool nonetheless. That's Gabe Ramirez. Hub Arcus here on 670 to score. And you heard the the highlight, but that's the only thing people have been that's the only time people have been hearing that name here on the airwaves, right, Hub? Yeah, yeah. You know, I listen, I grew up in Rogers Park and I was seven and my brother was eight. 
when my parents let us start taking the L over to Wrigley Field. We, we were raised in Wrigley Field. That was summer camp for us. We are Cubs fanatics. And I thought that this season, well, I didn't think I know, this season was my favorite Cubs season since 16. It didn't end well. It ended kind of painfully, to be honest, but not terribly. It wasn't like 03. And 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 now I, I've already been thinking about, okay, well, what about next year? What have we got? Where do we go? And, and I really think it comes down to, I mean, it comes down to more than one thing, obviously. But the one thing that is the difference maker is I think it's imperative to try and re-sign Cody Bellinger. And in listening to Jed Hoyer, I know that the Cubs have the money, and I think he's willing to spend it. But in listening to the little bit we've heard from Bellinger since the season ended, I don't get the sense that this is where he wants to end up as a free agent. Now, I hope I'm wrong, and I, I don't have any insight, but I think that if they do re-sign him with some of the youngsters and the way they were coming on late in the season and more they have coming out of the minors, and Dansby Swanson is going to be a, a Hall of Famer for the next five, six years. I don't know how long his contract is. But if you re-sign Bellinger, I think next year will be better than this year. If you don't re-sign Bellinger, I can see this team going backwards again. Yeah, I mean, obviously a major addition, a guy that can show up your center field position, also play first base in the event of a defensive you know, adjustment, gold glove caliber at both places. I think the biggest issue for me when it comes to the Cubs is, you know, duplicating a Cody Bellinger. If you are to try to re-sign him, I mean, that, that's where the cost comes in. And had that been the case last year, they probably wouldn't have brought in Bellinger had he, had he cost that much. So, but he's become a fan favorite. I think people see his value just like you have. And so it, it, it's almost like a, like a public pressure situation, which is the same thing the Cubs faced at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. We're doing all right. Mm-hmm. Do we keep Strowman and Bellinger? Or do we try to you know, get some assets for them knowing they might not be here on the team next year? And it's a tough position for them most certainly. But check this one out, Hub. He's from Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm-hmm. I think the Diamondbacks would throw some money at a Cody Bellinger to, to solidify their team and keep their championship window open. My guess is, from what we know has been happening in the last couple of years, Bellinger is going to get between 260 and $300 million. I don't know how many years that'll be for, but I think that's probably about the number. There are probably half a dozen teams in Major League Baseball that can spend that with enough for the other kind of talent you need to win. The Cubs are one of those teams. Financially, it's not a problem if they're willing to spend it. Hoyer has said he'll spend it, you know. And so the question is, when Bellinger talks about how much he's enjoyed Chicago and how much he likes Chicago, is this where he wants to spend the next five or six years? I I don't pretend to know, but just listening to him for the last, you know, couple weeks since it's ended, I I just get a sense that he's kind of hoping to get – the same or bigger offers elsewhere. But I hope I'm wrong, but that's just this feeling I can't lose. He he certainly doesn't sound like Marcus Stroman gushing over yeah. the Chicago Cubs the way he he had uh, throughout the course of the season. Here's uh, Hoyer talking about Bellinger. Uh, was it here? Yeah, here, and bringing him back. You know, we sat down with him on Sunday. I had a, a long conversation. We've had really good dialogue throughout the whole year. Um, and he loves Wrigley Field, and he loves the, the fans, and I think his experience was fantastic, and obviously our experience with him was fantastic, and um, you know, we'd love to bring him back. We'll have a lot of conversations with him. Obviously, it's a process, and that process does not start now. You know, it's gonna obviously it's gonna you know play out for a while, but um, I thought I told him this: it's rare to have a guy come in on a one-year deal and have that kind of connection with the fans by the, you know, in the middle of the season, it was really special and he deserves a lot of credit for how hard he plays and the way he played. I think that's what created that. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, you got to say all the right things. And it's the PR stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how, you're not going to say, yeah, I don't know, Cody Bellinger might want too much money, so we're not going to pursue him, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is you want to have conversations with him. You want to leverage, you know, that at the end of the season when he's still in your building. But it's a critical part, but it's tough. It's a tough hub. It's a tough because, like you, like, like you said, if you pay him the money, like you mentioned, if you pay him the money, you still got to have money to give other people. And the Cubs did a really good job of being savvy at the trade deadline, getting Jamer Candelario, you know, bringing in guys like that. They're doing a really good job of bringing up prospects at certain moments to try to give their team the best opportunity to win. So they, they are savvy in that sense. And I wonder if they'll say to themselves, we could bring in Bellinger and do the same thing and maybe, you know, take the NL Central. Well, you know, I would really like to see them re-sign Bellinger and Candelario because with that, and of course Dansby Swanson and then Morell and some of these other kids and Suzuki, they've got enough coming out of the system that they could contend for the next, you know, three, four years. But if you let Bellinger get away, you may have to replace him with two or three other bats. You just don't know, you know, and, and so that's why I just think it, it's, it feels so important right now to find a way to get that done. You know, when, when I hear or watch Dansby Swanson, he reminds me of Ernie Banks. He reminds me of all the, the great Cubs who not only love the game, but love playing the game in mm, Chicago. I love that. I haven't really gotten that feel from Bellinger. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, I think he was great this year. I, I have nothing negative to say, but I just, he doesn't, create the same commitment or belief in being a Cub that I get from Dansby Swanson. I mean, you know, Arizona guy, Scottsdale specifically. So it's like, and then he plays his whole career essentially in California. So to take, take one of those guys and put him in the Midwest, mm-hmm. kind of tough. Maybe they don't like the cold. Well, he doesn't have to spend the thing. winter. <laughs> you got to play, play in April, though, which is damn near the winter, it feels yeah. like, in certain moments. Uh, but, hey, I'm sure he came here to get a ton of exposure as well, mm-hmm. right? It was mutually beneficial. Cubs got a cheap player. Cody Bellinger got a ton of exposure. And both of them, it worked out well for both of them. Cubs got as close as they possibly could to the playoffs. Cody Bellinger, you know, got a national stage to showcase his talents mm-hmm. on. I uh, want to thank our guests for today, Carmen Vitali for hanging out with us, Will Raggetts uh, hanging out with us as well, and, of course, David Hall from the morning show, Million Hall, talking some hockey with us. Got to thank our producer today, Alex Kuhn. Got to get you a soundbite. Everybody got a soundbite in this damn station. <laughs> All the producers. I'll even, work on it. Even Leo Stoddaher has one. What's so, what's Leo's? He goes, Leo Stoddaher. It should be Leo Stardaher. Like Grody said it, something like that. And then Baby Tyler has me giving him his nickname, Baby T. We'll work on it. We got that. Um, if you're on your way home, 10 o'clock tonight, Bears Unleashed on Fox 32. Myself, Anthony Heron, Cassie Carlson. Make sure you check it out. If you missed it today, tomorrow, you can check it out as well. Uh, after this, I'm headed out to Roundhouse, 2535 North Milwaukee. It's a new bar that I just took over. Oh, cool. Yeah, I know. So I got to go there and make sure it hasn't burned down yet. Gotta, you got guts. That's gotta, a tough business to be in. <laughs> very tough. Very tough. Very tough. Uh, but in Logan Square, nonetheless, I'll be there all weekend. Come by and say what's up. All right, Hub, always a pleasure. Enjoy Always it. enjoy talking about Bears with you and getting an opportunity to throw in a little Blackhawks and Cubs as well. There you go. All right. Uh, mi gente, that means my people. Hasta la próxima. That means until next time, I am Gabe Ramirez. He is Hub Arkish. And this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.